Well, my name is Linda Marceau, and I am so excited to be here today. It's been a long time coming. Um, we're going to finish up the sermon series of uh, Summer at the Movies with the movie Facing the Giants. And Facing the Giants is about a coach. His name is Grant Taylor. And Coach Taylor has not had a winning season in six years. And even the hope of a new season is squelched when the best player on his Shiloh Eagles football team decides to transfer schools. After losing the first three games of the season, the coach discovers that a group of fathers are plotting to have him fired. Combined with pressures at home, Coach Taylor has lost hope in his battle against fear and failure. However, an unexpected challenge helps him find a bigger purpose than just victory. Daring to trust God to do the impossible, Coach Taylor and the Eagles discover how faith plays out on the field and off. Let's watch the clip. The Eagles will have to go for it on fourth down with only 42 seconds left and no timeouts. Coach Grant Taylor can get his first winning season if they can pull this play off. Back Avery will take the snap. He pitches back to Jacob Hall. Jacob is sitting up the throw. But here come the Tigers. Jacob Hall is going to try to take it and run, and he's going to be stopped at the 40-yard line, taken down there by Lewis. I'm not saying he's not a good man. I'm saying he's not a good coach. Just look at the facts. We need new leadership. There are giants of fear and failure staring down at me, waiting to crush me, and I don't know how to beat them. I'm tired of being afraid. Coach Taylor, the Lord is not through with you yet. In God's word, he said 365 different times, do not fear. What's the purpose of this team? Win ball games? Winning football games is too small a thing to live for. We're not here just to get glory, make money, and die. So I'm here to present you a new team philosophy. I think that football is just one of the tools we use to honor God. What are you doing? This program's going in the tank, man. You've got an opportunity. We need to give God our best in every area. And if we win, we praise Him. And if we lose, we praise Him. Coach, I'm done. Now is when you leave. Right now. Keep going, Brock. Come on. First. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. God can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. And he chooses to work in our lives because he wants us. This is our time, and you've got to put the nails in the coffin. For the rest of your life, you will remember today. I want you to remember that you held nothing back. You did not lose heart. You did not stop fighting. You did not quit. I can't believe what I've just seen. I cannot believe what I've just seen. I don't know how many of you saw that movie, but it is a great family film, and I encourage you to rent it and to spend a Friday night with your children watching it. It's a great story. But I chose this movie because I, too, have been in a season where I've had to meet my fears and my insecurities head on. This past month has been filled with worry and anxiety. In January of 2002, I felt the Lord call me into full-time ordained ministry and I entered into a time of prayer and discernment to confirm the calling. I had so many thoughts in my head. Who are you to enter into ministry? You are not good enough. You do not have the words to speak. You do not have what it takes to be a spokesperson, a voice for the Lord. 
And these were all lies, but I bought into every single one of them. I believed them, and I operated out of them. My greatest fear was in giving a sermon, being a spokesperson for the Lord. But as I prayed, the Lord began to direct my attention to the different callings of some of the great heroes of the faith. Let's look at Jeremiah's call to ministry. Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet, and he was called by God to preach repentance and to call the people back to the Lord. He was to be God's mouthpiece, his spokesperson. Here is Jeremiah's call into ministry. We begin with Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then there was Moses' response. We begin with Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he continued, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And then there was Gideon. Judges 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That was God's perspective. Gideon was a mighty warrior. He saw him for who he was. The Lord turned to him and said, I'm sorry, but Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? 
But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and we will strike down the Midianites together. The commentary said this, God chose Gideon, a young man from an otherwise unremarkable clan from the tribe of Manasseh, to free the people of Israel and to condemn their worship of idols. Gideon was very unsure of himself, and he was unsure of God's command. Now, what we find when we look at these three men is that each one of them had doubt and insecurity about their calling, and yet they chose to be obedient and trust God to give them everything that they needed in order to fulfill the task that they had been given. And as I studied these men, what I realized was that they were not so different from me. They were all caught up in their insecurities. But it is not God's will that we stay there. The last month has been hilarious. I began with this sermon that I wrote four weeks ago. You see, I understand the effort that it takes for you to get here on Sunday morning, and I wanted to honor that by being very prepared. And then two days later, I wrote another one, a different one. And then two days later, I wrote another one. And this went on and on, and finally I wrote one that I was happy with, and I put it on my iPod. And then I started listening to it every day so that I could memorize it, so I'd be really prepared. And then on the second day, my brand-new iPod broke. And so I thought, well, maybe that one wasn't right either. And so I wrote another one and another one until, until finally I surrendered. I realized that it was not God's will for me to be so prepared and to get up here and to do this in my own strength, that he was asking me to rely on him to give me what I need when I needed it. And there was a scripture that the Lord brought to mind, and it was John 14:26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. This past Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., The Lord began to give me instruction, and this word I am reading to you today is what I was given. He said this, Linda, share your story. I will give you the words. I will be with you. Do not fear. And as these words came out, I wrote them down and am now delivering them to you just as I received them. So here I am today, completely vulnerable completely to bend it, and completely obedient. And this is not the first time in my life I've been in a situation where God has called me to address the fears in my life. In the year 2000, the Lord called me to help with prayer ministry in New Heights. I was shocked and surprised when I understood what he was asking because I had never prayed out loud. And the only prayers I knew were memorized prayers like the Our Father Prayer did not show up on my spiritual gift assessment. And I didn't jump right to it. It took five or six confirmations before I was confident enough to move forward with the Lord. 
As soon as I committed to it and began to step out in faith, the Lord started giving me a prayer gift, and it became my passion and opened the door to the miraculous. And now I find myself once again moving forward without the natural ability, expectantly waiting for God to move as soon as I step out in faith. With the call to prayer and then obedience, the Lord took my greatest fear and it is an, and used it as an opportunity to bring glory to himself. Anyone who knew me saw the grace, the glory, and the power of God as he changed my life. Let me say that again. God took my greatest fear and turned it into my greatest strength. So whatever you fear today can become God's opportunity to do something great in your life. In 2 Corinthians 12:9, Jesus says to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. There are so many reasons why we get to the edge and then quit, but the primary reason is fear. Fear has a way of consuming our thoughts with anxiety and worry, and it will hold you back from receiving God's best, and it will keep you from realizing your purpose in him. It is a force that will paralyze you from making a faith-filled decision. Trusting God and stepping out in faith is not easy, but the word says this, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So how do we start? We have to begin with our relationship with the Lord. For so many years, I went to church and never had a relationship with God. I was there every Sunday, but I don't ever remember hearing that it wasn't about going to church. It was about having a relationship with the one who created me, my heavenly father, the one we call Abba. But God was pursuing me. There was a nagging thought in my mind that something was missing. So I joined a Bible study, and we began with the book of John. There was something about that book that opened my eyes to the reality of a God that was close, personal, and loving. At that point, I got down on my knees. I asked forgiveness for living apart from him and pleaded for him to come and dwell within me. I surrendered everything to the Lord that day, family, job, career, everything, and released control, and my life has never been the same. I was 36 years old. You see, when you get to a place where you can trust God, you realize that he is able to deal with the circumstances in your life much better than you are. But we have a part to play. We must engage God in our lives. We cannot just get up in the morning and go about our day without taking at least 20 minutes to meet with the only one who can help us. We cannot turn our backs on God pretending he does not exist until a crisis arises and wonder where he is. We cannot continue in our disobedience to his will and wonder why our lives are in chaos. We face issues every day that would cause fear in any normal human being. Divorce is at an all-time high. Our children are faced daily with drugs and alcohol. 
Our men are being called away to war. Credit card debt is rising at an alarming rate, and we feel helpless to do anything. But we have a God that is greater than all of this, if we will only surrender and invite him into our lives. The word says that his plans for us are for good, not for evil, to give us hope in the future. And after we have surrendered, we will then need to begin to walk in obedience to God's will. It is important to study the word. Studying God's word builds up our trust and faith in God, particularly when we see how he has loved and rescued his people historically. And then we will be able to discern what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And when he begins to teach us how to walk out fear, we will need to take the specific action that is required to meet the fear head on. God will not move until we have done as much as we are able to do. There is a story in the Bible about Joshua taking the priests as they carried the Ark of the Covenant across the Jordan River. But it wasn't until they stepped in that God parted the water and they crossed on dry ground. So we must be obedient to take the steps required to move us towards victory. And the last thing we should do is have faith that God is able to do all that he says he will do. The real reason we have worry and anxiety is that we have a basic distrust of God and his ability to care for us. We put more faith in ourselves and forget to factor God into the equation. But without God, we are left completely alone. The word says over and over, fear not, for I am with you. We were not created to walk through this life alone. We were created to have fellowship with the one who knows us and loves us. The word says that when we seek him, we will find him. When we seek him with our whole heart. How many of us here today are seeking God with our whole heart? How many set aside time each day to spend with him? It's been said that you spend time on the things that are really important to you. So where is God on your priority list? How can we expect him to ask to act on our behalf when we don't take the time to know him? How can we follow if we don't spend enough time with him to discern where he is leading us? Living life separated from God is a dead end. So today we want to get in right relationship with God. We want to make a decision to be obedient to his will. And we want to believe in faith that he is able to establish peace in our hearts and in our homes. We will never have peace in our lives until we are at peace with God. Contentment comes from having a relationship with him. I think Paul said it best when he said, I have learned what it means to be content in all circumstances. But here is what's been so amazing over the last month. When I look back over the last several weeks, I do not see days and days of anxiety and fear. What, is, what I see is a time when I was blessed beyond my wildest imagination. I have never in all my life had such an outpouring of love, of prayers and encouragement as I have had this past month. When I look back on the way the Lord has showered me with blessings and filled me so completely with love from him and those around me, I am amazed, I am humbled, and I am grateful 
that God reached down from his throne in heaven and scooped me up into that heavenly place of belonging with him. Your presence here today is one of the greatest gifts I have ever had, and I am so thankful that you are a part of my journey, my story with God. But God has taken my greatest fear and turned it into my greatest blessing. Today, at this moment, will always be the pinnacle, the defining moment of my spiritual journey. And I thank you for being a part of that. And as we go from here, my prayer is that as you go, you will go with hope. For nothing is impossible with God. And it is his desire to free you up from all of your worries, your cares, and your anxiety for joyful obedience. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room. Father, you are the only one that knows the burdens that they've carried with them today. You are the only one that knows the fears, the worries, the cares, the anxiety, the things that keep them up at night. God, for those here this morning, for those who are worried about their jobs, who are worried about their finances, who are worried about their children, I pray, Lord, that you would meet them right where they are. Lord, I pray this morning for surrendered hearts. Right now, Lord, I just pray that you would move inside of each person, God, that their hearts would be laid wide open in front of you. God, I pray that you would touch them right there, Lord, and that they would cry out to you, Lord, that they do not want to live this life alone anymore. God, I pray for those that don't have a relationship with you that are just coming to church every Sunday, that this would be the last Sunday they just come to church, but that this week they would come to know you as their Lord, as their Savior, as their Rescuer, as their Redeemer, as their all in all. Lord, you are the all-sufficient one, and we cry out to you for mercy. Lord, would you fill us completely, immerse us in your Holy Spirit, that we might go forward in the glory and in the power of the living God. It is in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.